Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, we talk about all the new Star Wars news, drop Doctor Strange into the Marvel tier list, and talk about Alex Garland's men. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 214 of Real Blend, a podcast that blames all of our failures on that time that we briefly recast Jake with Alden Ironrick. Big mistake. We learned in the in hindsight we can't do that. So my name is Sean O'Connell. It's pre would be a good call. <laughs> no, we need you back. Uh, I'm the managing editor here at Cinema Blend and a co-host of the Real Blend podcast, which this week is going to be discussing a lot of new Star Wars news that dropped. Uh, we're going to react to the new she-Hulk trailer, and we're going to review Alex Garland's new film, Men, that's hitting theaters this weekend. And by we, I mean, I'll start with Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago, because uh, you're in a familiar backdrop, uh, and I want to uh, save Kevin for a minute. So, hi, Jake. How are you? Uh, for people that don't know, the people that run the junkets, it's a company called JPI, and they've been pulling this trick on us uh, the, the past few times we slide in to do a junket, because you wait in this sort of big virtual hospitality suite and they've saved a couple of our backgrounds and make it their own. And it's always a trip whenever um, you log on and see someone else with these three little pictures behind them. It's it's if I'm being honest, yeah. uh, my feelings are a little hurt that they haven't because they've never done, 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 no, they haven't done my backdrop. So, they did. Yeah. The one they, they did for mine, mine's like mine has like this incredible motion effect on it. Yeah. Yours like, looks well, awesome. Yeah, they, like they, it's got they, mine has they a freaking plant that pops yeah. up. Yeah. They basically yeah, have yours like, goes to like, space. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Oh, it does. That's right. Is it like a little door that opens? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, like the so, bookshelf from Interstellar. Yeah. And oh, I, that have, makes I have freaking Soylent Green. Mine. Um. Mine doesn't look like anything. <laughs> but Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. has a new backdrop. Hi, Kev. How are you? I do. Mm. Hey, good to see you guys this morning uh, or afternoon, wherever time frame we're in right now. Um, what poster yeah, is that then, behind, over and, your shoulder? That's Ready Player it's, One. It, I would say that, that oh. looks like you're having some Ready Player fun. That's hot. Yeah, that's, that's right. But in terms <laughs> of the backgrounds that Jake's talking about, there is uh, the one they did for mine was they took my Blu-ray shelves and they it's like Star Wars, essentially. They, like, mm-hmm. they, they, they can move the movies back and forth. It's really kind of a cool animation of the of the my, my yeah. bookshelf. So it's a reminder of how long we've been doing this. And also, I can now never get rid of these three paintings because Spielberg told me that he likes them. So I can oh, never really? get rid of these. Yeah. Oh, Sean, what did Spielberg say about your backdrop? Oh, that's really interesting. I'm glad you asked that. Um, I didn't talk to him because uh, I didn't I didn't get him. Uh, <laughs> so he didn't he, he didn't comment on them. Uh, Gabe Kovach is waiting till we get Alfonso Cuaron back on the show. He's keeping that Roma post up there until circle. we get Alfonso. Hi, Gabe. How are you doing? How's everybody doing? I'm good. I'd, I'd be a little See. heartbroken if he came back on the show and just said nothing. Oh, why? 
Oh, I'm not trying to say that'd be heartbroken. Yeah, if he didn't, yeah, I just came back and just did oh, the poster. Yeah, and we're talking a lot I about feel the like visuals. Your background looks great. Yeah, this is uh, this is becoming a visual medium. I feel like it is. I know, and I feel a little bit bad for the people who only listen to the audio part of it. So if you want to uh, head over to YouTube, you can watch the show at youtube.com backslash Real Blend Podcast. And while you're there, do it's very favor. good looking. Hit like, uh, hit subscribe. Turn on your notifications every time a new uh, episode of the show drops, which is on Friday mornings at around 730 Eastern. Uh, the notification squad hits the comments down below and then people start to weigh in and a lot of uh, a lot of commentary on the Batman tier list from last week. A lot of people uh, taking Jake's side. Ton of comments. Uh, so, oh, you, you know, one thing I do want to add really quickly. And look, I'll, I'll I'll go as far as saying, like, maybe we scale this back a bit. Oh. Did you guys know that Dark Knight Rises is like number 60 on the IMDb top 250 list? 60? Yeah. It's like, like the it's 60th like, best movie of all time. Yes. Yes. It's ridiculous. That's even, even I, silly. as someone who like was clawing and scraping and yelling and fighting for a B, even I go, okay. Yeah, maybe we maybe we scale that back a this little bit. Is, but this is the list that had, at all the, all due respect to Shawshank, which is a terrific movie, had Shawshank at number one above The Godfather and Godfather Part Two for for years, years. Upon it still years. is, still is. It still is, still is. Oh, Shawshank still number one. Finally rectified that. I mean, I, it doesn't bother Shawshank at number one. Really doesn't bother me. Is that? Do you, I, do you I, lose I, sleep I can tell over you a hundred movies that are better than Shawshank Redemption. It's not that I lose sleep over it. It just it negates the list. Like you, you negate just the can. list. Yeah, you know, gosh, you know how many times they're going to pull that joke on me when we do hook. People like it. The, yeah, there are ten do. movies that came out that year that are better than Shawshank. Pulp Fiction, <laughs> Forrest Gump. Yeah. Pulp, yeah. Pulp Fiction's in the top ten. Uh, yeah. For for more riveting off the off the topic conversations like this, you want to subscribe to our Real Blend Premium. That's uh, a great is, way uh, to describe it. <laughs> uh, where you get first off, if you're a premium subscriber, you get an ad free uh, version of the show. You also get an uh, a newsletter that I'm going to actually. This is a newsletter week, so you'll be getting one from me on Friday, uh, and then a new episode that drops every Monday. And the next premium episode, just to give you guys a little tease. Uh, we are doing a retro review where we pick a movie that we go back to and revisit to see if we still feel the same way about it. Or one or two of us will watch something that we haven't seen for the very first time. Refreshed review. Thank you, Gabe. Uh, and Sean, what's the um, what's the hook for this week? Good question, oh. Jake. Good oh. question. Uh, we're going from one frying pan into the fire and talking about Steven Spielberg's masterpiece hook. We're going to talk about hook. Uh, so yeah. make sure you are subscribed to the. But the the, the hook of this refresh review is that, Uh-oh. Sean, this is the first time you're seeing this, right? This is it the was first time the, you saw Hook. It was the first time that I watched Hook. Yes, and, and I made it the first time I've seen it in probably 20 years. Yeah, it was it the first far. time I'd seen it since I was. Uh, I I haven't seen it since I was seven. Yeah. The, the so question being, I guess, like, does does how strong of a drug is nostalgia? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you'll find out. Tune in Monday to find out. Yeah, you'll find out by being a premium subscriber. So we'll see you all then. Uh, I'm, gonna, like, of- I'm excited for this episode. Like, I, I would want to listen to that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I hope. Anyway, we always we always aim for fun. We get there 50 percent of the time. Uh, talking points. We have the, uh, the She-Hulk trailer. Uh, She-Hulk dropped. This is a new Marvel television show that's coming in August. It's the second uh, upcoming Marvel television show. Miss Marvel is going to be here in June. Thor Love and Thunder will drop in July and then Miss Marvel is here in August. And I think then we're done until Black Panther in November. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever. I'm going to go first with this one because I guess I'm the the Marvel fanboy of the show. 
Uh, and I'm going to say that this is the very first bit of footage from from a Marvel project that made me audibly go, yikes, that doesn't that doesn't look very good. Um, and I think it's some of it's the tone. And I found a lot of people responding to the tone and liking the approach to it. Um, but a lot of it was the VFX. And and believe me, I understand that the VFX artists are quite often racing to the very last minute uh, and delivering these shows uh, as finished as physically possible. So and, and all the stuff with uh, Tatiana Mosley playing uh, Jennifer Walters, playing She-Hulk is going to look better, I hope, you know, by the time that the show eventually arrives. Tatiana Maslany, just a heads up. Tatiana Maslany. I'm sorry. Um, thank you, Kevin. But, you know, there were a lot of jokes on social media about her looking like Princess Fiona from Shrek. And I'd actually argue that Princess Fiona looked better um, 20 something years ago when when the Shrek movies came out. It just doesn't look it doesn't look right. It doesn't look finished. Someone also joked, stealing a lot of people's Twitter jokes, uh, that the She-Hulk video game looks pretty interesting. So I just I don't know. And, and, and listen, I'll go into all the Marvel shows with an open mind. I'm super geeked about most things Marvel. But this is the first one where I was just like. I almost feel a little bit the way Jake's always saying of just like, I don't know if I necessarily need to watch that one. So this is probably that means the one that you guys loved. And I'm, I mean, I'm on the fence about it. I thought the trailer was solid. I mean, I mean, and, and, uh, taking the CGI aspect away, which did not look great. Um, and I, I still do not understand why a studio would release a trailer or any footage when the when the CGI isn't finished. Now, I get like in Sonic's case, that obviously helped the film when they released it. But I don't think I think they were done with it, I would imagine. And they mm -hmm. were like, oh, the reaction is bad. So we need to fix it. That's kind of what happened on on Sonic, at least from what I understand. So in this case, I don't understand why they would release it if it's not their finished product. And I get that CG is being finished and movies and shows are being finished up until the last minute. But when you drop a trailer into the world, I mean, like you're basically like asking for comments and, and, and reaction. Um, and I feel like that's a gigantic aspect of that trailer is this is some of that CG does not look great at all. And I think that being said, Tatiana Maslany is one of the best actors working today. I mean, I'm very happy Orphan that Black. she, yeah, Orphan Black is, you know, is a great showcase of her range. And I think that this is, I think the tone of this sounds cool. I, th I think her, I liked her and Ruffalo together. I liked the flying and the landing together. That was cool. Uh, the jumping and the landing, whatever you want to say, but in terms of, yeah, I mean, it, it, there were some jokes in there that worked. It, it felt very Marvel. It felt very MCU. It felt very, um, I was more excited. And again, like talking about upcoming projects, Obviously, Moon Knight was, you know, was a big one. I'm really looking forward to Miss Marvel um, just because of the the filmmakers who are involved. And I think that looks great. And but yeah, the She-Hulk trailer, I was I don't know too much about the character outside of like there being a She-Hulk. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the attorney at law thing uh, is a bit uh, of a longer title that I don't think they needed. Just call it She-Hulk. Um, sure. I don't know why they yeah. needed attorney at law. That could have been like a subtext in the, you know, in the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean, it didn't, it made me chuckle. Some of the lines about her talking about other superheroes and kind of what's that line she makes about orphan adult, adult orphans. Um, she talks about like, oh, uh, like she's like, surprised being a superhero. These are the different people that are superheroes. Right. Kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I that was, I thought that, I mean, I thought she kind of, that, that line was like, Oh yeah, actually it's an interesting perspective on superheroes you know what, particularly. So, you know what I'm officially sick of though? I'm sorry, Jakey, before I cut you off. Um, I'm, I'm kind of sick of smart Hulk. 
I a little bit want oh, Hulk to go back yes. to being, to being oh, Hulk. How about yeah. that? I uh, like I'm Smart Hulk. Ugh. Ugh. I just I, like, I, I thought it was fine. And now I'm ready for him to go back to being to being Hulk again. So, Jiggy, so where are you at? There is um, there is a joke in an episode of Arrested Development. That's one of my all time favorite jokes in television. And it's Jason Bateman opens a fridge, finds a, a paper bag left by his brother, Job, who is a magician. And on the outside of the bag, it says, don't open dead dove inside. And he opens it, looks inside and then looks up and goes, well, I don't really know what I expected. And which is kind of how I feel about the She-Hulk trailer, where it's like I watched it and went. I don't really know what I expected. I mean, I guess that's about what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it, ha- sure. it has very much a um, almost borderline like Lou Ferrigno Hulk, like kind of TV show vibe, like getting more into um, kind of the kind of a fun, more jovial, which is interesting because I feel like the tone of phase four is very much still the repercussions of um, the snap and the repercussions of, of the introduction of the multiverse, which has only yielded bad things for most people. So to have this sort of like happy go lucky, Oh, shucks were superheroes. Isn't that kind of, you know, an inconvenient sort of thing right now feels interesting. Um, I got it, but, but I mean, like, you know, I, I've made my, um, uh, opinion about the, the, the current state of Marvel known, which is just right now, everything that's being thrown at me is just sort of like, Okay, I guess like that's, you know, and, and I thought you feels... were really looking forward to Thor, though. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Thor, but like it's, you know, looking forward to Thor with like a higher octave in my voice. Like, yeah, it's going to be great. That's going to be fun. Like, oh, but, like, that and, was like, like to, to anticipated the, for like, you. like, 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 no, I mean, I'm excited about it. But also, like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're like looking back on like Jake pre Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a completely different level. Now, now these are just movies that come out. It doesn't feel special for me anymore. Uh, I mean, I thought mm-hmm. No Way Home was special. Really yeah, but, but I also would argue that that was special, not necessarily because of the Marvel machine, but because of like nostalgia brought in from the outside. Uh, okay. I don't know. I mean, I, I would argue No Way Home. And again, I'm, I'm not as as amped about this new phase either. But No Way Home, I thought, was like one of the greatest MCU films ever made. I mean, but, you know, um, another trailer that dropped for is for a film coming out, a romantic comedy uh, by Billy Eichner called Bros. Um, and the pitch inside of the pitch is essentially Billy Eichner playing a guy um, who says he got hired by a studio to write a gay romantic comedy and whether or not he's the right person to write a gay romantic comedy or not. Um, coming from some really, uh, you know, recognizable and somewhat contemporary comedic minds, um, the guys behind Neighbors, um, is it just Judd Apatow? Is Apatow Nicholas a, a, a Stoller. Nicholas, Nicholas Stoller directed it, Apatow okay. produced it, and Stoller is... Uh, um, yeah, he's like kind of been in that universal world of comedy. These R-rated comedies that have been coming out. This is from like the Trainwreck group, and and it actually has a very Trainwreck vibe to it in the sense mm-hmm. of like it feels like Billy's playing a version of himself, and then you have kind of like Amy uh, Amy Schumer who was playing kind of a version of herself essentially sure. in Trainwreck, which I loved Trainwreck, and I still think it yielded like one of my favorite. Like LeBron is so great in that movie. And I and I and I think because Apatow directed Trainwreck and I mean, I've just loved that movie. I even loved Funny People. This kind of reminds me. It's all in that same almost like a trilogy of like funny people. And then does that mean uh, this then, is going to be 30 minutes too long? I don't know. But see, I don't I actually Apatow don't think did, Apatow doesn't direct this. <laughs> um, but I actually love Apatow. I mean, but Stoller directed this movie. Uh, uh, the trailer is hilarious. Like I was. Well, <laughs> yeah. 
No, go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say similar to King of Staten Island too. It's like they they pick a, yeah. a a comedian and then essentially structure a story around yeah. him. So can't right. go on yeah. the trailer. Go no, on. I, also, I just thought it was really funny and really well done, and I like that he's calling out this concept of being asked to by a studio to do uh, uh, this film. And I there's a bit in that trailer that made me laugh so hard where he was like. Is I uh, this is not going to be a movie where the camera goes away when you have the two guys who are about to kiss and then the, right. they the camera comes out and it's I'm not going to say what it is because you should see the trailer for yourself because it's so it's, funny. it's very much a red band trailer yeah. it's, it's very uh, okay but is, even by red band standards that yeah, joke yeah, yeah. pretty I much was, surprised it's a great me. joke it's yeah. really funny it's yeah. a phenomenal joke but I had absolutely no idea it was going to be <laughs> yeah, that yeah. shot and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought like the way it was being set up it's kind of brilliant like the way they set that shot up it was like oh I thought they were just going to cut to the two characters kissing and yeah. and for people who haven't seen it and I'm not going to spoil it but that that might have been a reveal I would have maybe wanted uh, yeah, that's it, that was my only thing that was my only thing is I was like oh I bet this would have this would have been oh. great I'm, I'm gonna be bummed that this isn't surprising in the movie but, but maybe it's edited a little differently but it know. sold me that that that, yeah. that joke was like like I was watching the trailer and I was already hooked because I, I think Billy is incredibly talented and Jake and I we've all discussed this before he's on the street on, man his on the street segments are yes. unbelievable the energetic aspect of it it's just he did one with Paul Rudd that made me laugh so For hard a dollar. If you get a chance, look up the Paul Rudd, Billy Eichner, Man on the Street. But going back to this 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 movie, I, I, I love the trailer. I was I was so amped by it. But again, I'm also coming from a perspective that somebody who loved Trainwreck and loved uh, uh, King of Staten Island and really loved Funny People. Um, and again, just not the, not the same filmmakers, but same producer and team and things like that. I love this real world, but kind of fictionalized element. Um, and then at the same time, what the movie is doing is what it's going to do, uh, what it's going to mean to people. There's a whole element of that trailer where he talks about there's differences between straight and gay love and the differences in kind of what those relationships are like. And I'm really fascinated, not only from the comedic perspective, but just the, the perspective of like having a gigantic film with a major studio telling this story. And Eichner, I think, is the perfect person and voice to do this. And I, and I, I it's like it's as if like we we've been waiting for the right person to tell this moot story. And I think wow. Billy really, really is that person at this time. And the R rated aspect of it, I'm so happy. It's like R rated and raunchy. The trailer is great. So I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised. I knew nothing about it. I knew there was a movie coming out. I knew it was called Bros. I knew Eichner was involved. I knew Apatow was involved. But knew nothing about it outside of that, and I was like, "That would that would, looks great, looks great." He mentioned at CinemaCon, Billy Eichner was on stage to present this trailer, so we got to see it back then. And I, he, I believe he said, it, it, "I need someone else to confirm," but I'm pretty certain he said every actor uh, playing a character in the movie is an openly gay, uh, openly oh. uh, an open member of LGBTQ plus community. Every uh, actor to, in the film, from what he said, yeah, um, or every you know. character who's gay in the movie. I think no, no, no. I think every character in every actor, someone should someone should look that up and see what his quote is from that. But I'm I'm fairly certain he said every actor featured in the movie that's is an openly gay actor. That's awesome. And and I know from the angle we wrote on it in Cinema Blend today in our voices section, we singled out the fact that there's a lot of openly gay talent uh, that people recognize. A lot of faces I didn't necessarily recognize, but I'm glad that you know if that's what they're committing to, that's fantastic. Jakey, what'd you think of the trailer? 
Yeah, I think it looks quick, fantastic. Quick, quick, yeah. Oh. Before we before we move on, I wanted to draw. I wanted Thank to, you. Close that loop. Yeah. 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 Um, yes, it is the first major studio film to feature an all LGBTQ principal cast playing heterosexual roles as well. So. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah, awesome. Uh, that comes out when August or September. Is that this year? It's August. Yeah, it's definitely okay. this year. Looks great. I'm sorry. All right, Jake, Jake what you got? Yeah, no, everything about it looks, I mean, you guys are absolutely spot on. It just seems um, really like a great representation of a fresh voice that, um, that we really haven't gotten in this way or to this degree before. Um, which is always a fantastic thing. And it's it's one thing to to get a new voice or a new perspective, but to have that voice and perspective come from someone who is so unbelievably immensely talented like Billy Eichner. Um, you know, like we've been saying, if you've if you've never seen Billy on the street, just you don't even have to watch just just YouTube some of the yeah. things he's done with Chris Evans or Paul Rudd or, <laughs> you know, just just running, you know, literally, literally one of his bits as as silly as it sounds is running Paul Rudd around New York and asking strangers <laughs> Would you have for a dollar? Would you have sex with Paul Rudd? And the reaction, not just the reactions he gets out of people, but then his reactions to people's reactions. I love when he cuts people it's off. Genius. He's like, he's, yes. he's like, he's like, he's like, whatever. I'm done with you. And then he yeah. just walks. Because yeah. like, if, if someone like wants a hug with Paul Rudd, he'd be like, no, he's not here for a hug. He's here for sex. And then they like, it's just, it's just genius stuff. So if if that is a, a microcosm example of how hard he can make me laugh in 90 seconds, I look forward to seeing how hard he can yeah. make me laugh with two hours. What I also love about it is. Like at the end of the day, it's an it's a, it's an important film for just in getting in getting voices out into major films. But I also think the the key here is that it actually is funny. It looks yeah. great. Like it's not just like you know we're going to release a movie because we're going to represent more voices in cinema. It actually looks a phenom- like like a phenomenal script and like a phenomenal yeah. story. So like I'm all in. I, I I like when a movie can check off two boxes. It can be both entertaining, dramatic, but also at the same time carry a weight to it that's important for people to view it and i think when you hit that level of like getting both of those at the same time you've made a great film because then you're kind of in the zeitgeist you're talking people are talking about your film but they're also saying hey bros is really good but it also Mm -hmm. did this for me it opened my mind up about this i didn't know this or that so i'm uh, that that trailer was like kind of one one of the most pleasant surprises i've had in a while in terms of a trailer I think Neighbors is underrated. Nicholas Stoller the directed first the first one Neighbors. Is. The first Neighbors yeah. is really, I saw really like funny. Um, the the second one's first not Neighbors has some gags in it that are like special effects. Frank, Franco's impression of De Niro in, uh, yeah, that's in, a great in Meet one. the Parents was fantastic. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I remember that. What's the bit? Was it the first or second one where like Rogan gets like launched in the air from some kind of air. Com- what, 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 which one? I don't remember now, anyways, but I'm going off on a tangent here. But Back yeah, those- Johnny Knoxville and Jackass, he goes to a well, furniture no. shop and he's dressed like an old man. No, there's something in neighbors <laughs> where, like, like, I remember he gets like blown up or something, anyways. We'll, we'll continue on. Okay. Um, well, we're gonna take a break, uh, because we have a lot of Star Wars news to get to on the other side. So let's, uh, go into an ad read and then, uh, we'll talk to you guys in a minute. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. 
Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And we are back. So Vanity Fair had a Star Wars cover story, which is interesting from the perspective of... Uh, we had a conversation a couple episodes back that like the future of Star Wars was kind of unknown. Like they'd thrown a lot of projects out there. We weren't necessarily sure which of them were were in full development. Uh, there's obviously been a lot of television shows that are coming from the Star Wars world. And we were all kind of looking forward to Star Wars Celebration as being the um, the the time and place where we thought a lot of this stuff would get confirmed. Um, but lo and behold, Anthony Bresnigan uh, is an extremely gifted reporter with a lot of great contacts uh, and especially at Lucasfilm and got a huge sit down with just about everybody you'd want to talk to in the Star Wars universe, uh, specifically Kathy Kennedy and uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni and and uh, the cast of Obi-Wan and the cast of Andor and, and basically everyone. And so came out with a, a slew of news uh, specifically from um, what's coming in, in, in Star Wars films, but then also some of the stuff that we didn't expect for television. And I want to start with the movies that are coming because the information from the film side of it, this is really heavily into the idea that like in terms of Star Wars, a lot of stuff is going to be on TV. It's going to be on uh, Disney Plus and the streaming service, whether it be uh, Obi-Wan coming out the end of. No, I'm sorry, in, in a couple of weeks um, and then Andor coming out next week toward the end of this year. Obi-Wan's next week. Is it mm -hmm. that quick? Yeah, May 27th. Um, and then uh, Ahsoka with Rosario Dawson coming out in 2023. In terms of the films, they confirmed that. The next feature film now for now, you know, Star Wars is always uh, prone to change necessarily. But for right now, it's Taika Waititi's film, which they had no details on. Um, but in the process of announcing that they talked about Kathy, uh, Kathleen Kennedy talked about Patty Jenkins's uh, Rogue Squadron movie, which is still happening. But according to them, is really going to be a, a follow up to Taika's movie. And so since we don't, don't even really have details or a title or a date for Taika's movie. Like who knows what that means for, for rogue squadron. Are you guys, uh, Jake, how do you feel about the fact that Taika is going to be the next movie up and that the details were kind of scarce? I mean, that's, that's your, the, the, your latter point is kind of what made me walk away from, um, that vanity fair article, just sort of going like, I don't feel like if this article was meant to give us a better idea of the future of Star Wars and the direction we were going to, I don't mm. feel any better than I did the day before the article came out. It still oh, really? feels very loose and we'll see and we'll get around to it. And we think this is what's going to happen. Um, the, the, the one sort of solid point 
that I seem to take away is exactly what you said. Hell, it's the, it's the headline of the article, which is that the future of Star Wars is television, mm-hmm. um, which for the most part has been really solid. Um, you know, I, I've, I've loved both seasons of Mando, um, didn't particularly love Boba Fett, uh, but really excited about Obi-Wan. I think Andor and, and uh, Ahsoka had the potential to be really strong. Um, I just, you know, I, I, I needed a, a clearer, if that was meant to be their like, look at everything that we have it, sure. it didn't quite give me quite the assurance it's it it wasn't quite uh kevin feige saying hey we're going out to a cab in the middle of nowhere and planning out the next 10 years okay. of, of marvel correct but one thing that she did say which was when george was making these movies um he essentially put out one every three years mm-hmm. and i i liked the fact that she acknowledged that they were on a pretty manic pace you know, where they were trying to do trying to do almost one a year and maybe yeah. match the Marvel uh, model. Um, and and they stopped, you know, they literally stopped and were like, let's really rethink what yeah. we're doing. I mean, for, there so was a period in which we got two comfort. Star Wars films in six months. We got Last Jedi and then six months later got or five months later got Solo. Solo. I'm yeah. I'm at such a weird point, like with Star Wars and Marvel, where it just feels. And again, this is just I, I we all know that the that movies are a business and we, we, Mm. this is not like news, but at a point now with like the she Hulk and trailer and then all the star Wars news and all the Marvel films coming out and moon Knight and Obi-Wan and, you know, and Ahsoka. I mean, I just keep thinking about like, I can't, step back and go this just seems like a big business machine like like and, and which which it is but i think my point being is that i feel like it's too much i really do and i and like when when Gabe was rattling off earlier what the article was saying about taika and all these ryan johnson's trilogy and john watts doing this i which we're going to get into um, in the, in, in this discussion sorry i just jumped ahead a second but i i just looked at it all and went I mean, I'm not it's not that I'm complaining. I'm sure that I'll love this stuff when, you know, when I see it, you know, and we'll talk about it on the show. I just feels like it just feels like there's just so yeah, much. I mean, it, it's sort of like, you know, when when you're a kid I and like you, you would beg your mom to take you to McDonald's to get a happy meal. And like whenever it like whenever she finally caved, because my mom yeah. always used to say we got McDonald's at home. Right. And which meant like we got we had food at home, you know, right. and but when she would finally food. cave, uh, it yeah. was a big deal. Now, like, what if every single day she was like, you want to go to McDonald's at a certain yeah, yeah. point? Every day. It just doesn't feel special anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm still excited. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm probably if they don't give us screeners, which as of now, it's not looking like they're going to for Obi-Wan. I fully plan on waking up at 3 a.m. Oh. Friday morning to watch Obi-Wan before work. Yeah, and last thing I'll say about that is uh, the Obi-Wan show interests me primarily because I kind of want a Hayden Christensen comeback. Mm-hmm. I want I, I I want that actor to have what, why? what, what here's, here's why Andrew Garfield's um, uh, moments in No Way Home, in my opinion, gave him the ability to finally do Peter Parker and Spider-Man yeah, the man. way. Hold on, hold on. Listen to what I'm saying. Peter Parker and Spider-Man the way it should have been done. I think that outside because I don't think George Lucas is a great director. I really don't. And I think that Christensen's performance in those films isn't great. Um, I'm hoping that Obi-Wan gives the ability for Hayden to kind of have a, uh, a, um, a resurgence. Like, like maybe we mm-hmm. maybe we give him his proper Vader 
story and performance. But I could be wrong. That's just where there I'm are, at. there are a lot of actors who were able to do just fine with what Lucas gave them. And I'm thinking of Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor. Like at the end of the day, maybe look, I like Hayden. I think he seems, he seems like a good guy. But eventually, don't we just have to admit that maybe he's just not that great of an actor? But right, but well, but Natalie Portman isn't isn't good in the Star Wars movies, and she's one of the best actors out there. So one of the things they are going to do is scale back um, a couple of the projects that they had announced, specifically Ryan Johnson's trilogy, uh, which is uh, it ain't happening. Right, it's not happening. Right, still happening, but delayed. I don't think it's happening at all. I don't think it's happening. Oh, I don't think it's happening. But it, but the report was that it's still going to happen, but they're delaying it because of his agreements with Netflix and for Knives Out. And Knives right. Out. Like, the official statement is it's happening, but it's on the back burner. Right. Sure. And to and Gabe's then, point, that is the story. I mean, basically, like like yeah. he's deep in Knives Out production with Netflix. Which, by the way, uh, this is a little side note. I read a story today that Netflix is thinking or considering possibly releasing Knives Out 2 in theaters for 45 days exclusively before the Netflix release. I um, think they absolutely should. They're, way, they're, they're looking for ways to make money. They yes. can't make, there's no more people to sign up for Netflix. And mm-hmm. if they decide like, hey, what if we were in theaters for right. a little while? And it's still a Netflix <laughs> release. The, only, the only issue with that problem is that Netflix movies don't play at AMCs and Regals. Right. Uh, right. right, right. So, so I don't know. That could how. change, though. It could change, and maybe that will change. change. But going HBO, back to uh, Warner Brothers movies plays at those theaters, and forty-five or whatever days later, they show up on HBO Max. So I, th- I think that uh, we're on a tangent, but like that, the status quo there could definitely change if yeah. they make a if they make a firm commitment. But what what does that tell? Because and, and listen, I, I'm very much with you guys. Let's talk Star Wars. Though, yes, if we could. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, okay. Well, one, one quick point though, but just just. I mean, Netflix subscribers seem to already be pissed off and annoyed. Like they're they're basically being blamed on, you know, Netflix stock going down. Yeah. Uh, they're being told you can't share your passwords anymore. So to now be told, oh, we've got all these great movies. But if you want to see them right now, you have to pay for it. Otherwise, you have to wait. Uh, like, I feel like I, that's I not I, what Netflix subscribers are going to want to hear well, right well, now. Well, I know you're cool with that, but we're talking people out there who just want to pay for Netflix and get Netflix stuff. They're basically, they're going to look at that and go, what the shit? I already, I already <laughs> give right. you $20. It's already the highest, most expensive streaming service out there. Sure. We're a little bit further down the road than I think we need to be yes. for this discussion. So we, I blame we can come Kevin. back to that if it, if it, if it happens, but Wait, it was um, a completely legitimate connection. No, Ryan Johnson. There's a lot of ways that could go. You make Here's why Jake, last Jedi also, sucks. <laughs> but also they could message that in a completely different way that I think, Makes sense. I do have one Star Ryan Wars Johnson movies. comment real fast about Star Wars, about Star Wars, <laughs> about Star Wars, not Knives Out. Um, back to Ryan Johnson and the story we're telling, which is what we're topic we're on. Ryan Johnson's finishing Knives Out 2 and that we don't know that what's going to happen with his trilogy, even though they're staying, it's still confirmed. Right. That's the news. Um, I would argue that his trilogy still happens because there is there are so I mean, it's one of the most it's one of the most divisive films or the most divisive film probably in the in the eight films or what is it nine films. Nine. Um, so in my opinion, there half of the audience who loves Last Jedi is a big chunk of people. And I think we'll follow Ryan into whatever he does next. And I think about the discourse. Right. So the the discourse alone is free publicity. So like they could be leaning into, oh, Ryan's our guy who's going to take us outside of the norm of what Star Wars is. And there's a big enough audience who liked Last Jedi yeah. that I think could fill our our production and our money needs. And then the online discourse there's your promotion. There's there's okay. there's all your junket stuff right there. Just let's do the discourse. A, let's not call it a trilogy. Let's give him one another film. You know, I thought let's he had not, a trilogy. 
Yeah, he I know, but let's not put a car. Let's not put the car before the horse. Is what I'm but saying. But in the yes. same interview, Ke- uh, Kennedy says we're not thinking in trilogies anymore. <laughs> so For sure, it's it, so it's okay. kind of like well, that's uh, why I told Gabe. Yeah, there, 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 there are a lot of statements that Kathleen Kennedy made that I sort of went like, eh, like whenever she says, uh, you know, we've really got to rethink whether or not new actors can play younger versions of original trilogy characters. But then mm. the same note, you know, it's like Obi Wan starts streaming on. May 27th yeah, yeah, featuring yeah. a new actor playing a, a younger version of okay, an OG character. But like, but he's kind of like, but what? Ewan's but kind what? of like part of the fabric now, you know? Well, Elegant you know what? Alden could have, Alden could have been part. You know what? If, if reviews dictated whether or not they went from episode one to episode two, we wouldn't have gotten episode two. Like if I, I Alden could have been a part of the, the fabric. I think that I think that 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 statement was one to kind of be like, we're not going to follow that thread anymore and mm. just be like, yeah. and also we're not going to make we're not going to make a, we're not going to recast. Luke. Like, I think yeah, it was just like, also, a, we're not going to recast and, and Donald Glover it, were not the problems. No, 100 percent. Yeah, no, no, no. That was was I didn't get enough insane. explanation as to where their names came from. Oh, let me tell you. He actually yeah. went to register. That's canon. That is canon. So, so is Luke throwing his lightsaber over the cliff. All right. So uh, Kevin Feige's movie uh, apparently is no longer happening. And this is the least surprising. But the, well, I, OK, hold on. I think that's back. the one that I would be most interested in seeing is a Kevin 100%. Feige Star Wars. And movie. Because Kevin Feige, people might not realize this. Maybe people listening to this just, show just because I'm curious. Kevin Feige, it. Kevin Feige loves oh. Star Wars more than he loves Marvel stuff. Like he legitimately is the biggest. I don't Star believe Wars that, nerd. dude. He is a. You think he's a bigger Star Wars fan, Star Wars fan than a Marvel fan? Didn't didn't he say it? So? I feel like I'm saying I feel like I heard him say that. I think he said that when they announced it. That's I mean, cra- I can't I mean, believe imagine me, that. Now he loves Marvel, right? But he grew up in that sweet spot of Star Wars being everything. All right, well, he said it. He said it. You know, that's like Sean being like, "Look, I know I work on Robland, but I it. love that podcast where he makes him eat chicken wings." <laughs> oh, I do like that. I'm super into that now. The shout out to Hot Ones. Hot Ones is really great. Sean, uh, Sean's really great at his interviews. So, um, thanks, Kev. I appreciate that. Uh, so, <laughs> the Feige thing isn't happening because I, I honestly believe that he's just super overwhelmed with everything that we're talking about, like the, all the Marvel projects that we've been bringing up. And but the thing is, he hired or it was announced that that Michael Waldron, uh, who wrote Loki and who uh, has recently wrote uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, was tapped to write the screenplay for whatever idea. Uh, Kevin Feige was backing and and as of that uh, that article Kathleen Kennedy made it sound like she wasn't even aware of what his pitch was so um I don't know we'll see what's going on at Lucas was Kathleen Kennedy sitting on a Game of Thrones throne during the interview well not this time that as far as as far as I know there were no photos but uh I'll ask next time we get a chance actually I do have a question because uh and this is not just to bring that up but what I'm referring to people who listen to the show I was in Chicago for Star Wars Celebration with Jake and everybody and I was at an AT&T store going to this Game of Thrones throne and and right behind me was Kathleen Kennedy also taking photos on the throne this is why I bring that up she said she was there because I think at that point the guys from uh, Game of Thrones DB Weiss were going to do a Star Wars film and that is that not happening anymore oh they scrapped that a while they scrapped that okay okay I just couldn't remember which makes the final season all the more frustrating (laughs) because they rushed through the final season (laughs) to hurry up and get to Star Wars which they ended up scrapping you know you know what's what's such a bummer though and uh, what's a bummer about like that particular aspect you're saying and I'll keep this brief is like 
at the end of the day, when someone says to me, should I watch Game of Thrones? I say, you gotta say yes. But it comes, it comes with an asterisk though. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I, cause I thought the last season was so disappointing, but except for, I didn't mind the finale. Jake and I watched but, it together. But most it people fine. will never watch it like that. Most people will never watch it with 18 months in between seasons. Most, most, oh. per, most people will finish a finale, a season finale and go straight into it. The next season premiere. And, no, and I get in which that. case it's probably better when you just fly through it and watch it. But you think if you told someone to spend eight or whatever seasons it was and how many hours of television that is to sit down and watch a show, and they're like, like Jake, I want to know if this is worth my I'd time. St- yes, I'd still say Game of, absolutely, Game of Thrones is absolutely See, worth it. See, I would have an asterisk. I would say it's good, it's really great, and then the final season was disappointing. It's like there Dexter least, to people. But there are at least five episodes of Game of Thrones that could be argued the, one of the best hours of television. Yes. So, I agree with you. Like, so there's greatness. Yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't want but, to miss those, I would say. Right. But you tell someone to spend all that time and then go just a heads up. It's the yeah, ending's I, not that great. Last bit of fast. news from the Star Wars universe um, is that John Watts, who recently walked away from the Fantastic Four, uh, has been tapped for a Star Wars series. So he's going to television. Um, and this one sounds pretty interesting. Um, it's going to be set after Return of the Jedi. Uh, and it's going to be in the same time period as The Mandalorian. But they're casting young kids or it sounds like they're going after like teenagers and young kids because they're looking for a coming of age type uh, Amblin style adventure series. And, you know, uh, this is one of those things where stand by who me. doesn't Jake, say Jake, with the body's Jake, jar jar. What other words do you need to already love this project? A Star Wars, but, but, Amblin style Amblin, Star Wars yeah. story. But like and uh, now, now if they say like starring Tom Hanks and a dog, I, I'm yeah. in. But OK, <laughs> let me I, I, and I don't mean to be like a Debbie Downer. I genuinely want to ask you guys this. Yeah. Just because of like Star Wars's history of like, hey, we're doing this with this filmmaker and it's going to be great. And then like six months later being like, never mind. Or it's on hold. Sure. As sure. of right. Every time they throw a name out in a project, there's a part of me that just goes, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, we'll see. Like, it's we'll see. just like they, like they literally filmed like this Kathleen or not Kathleen, this um, uh, Patty Jenkins video, mm. this really badass video, like because it was, it was about to happen. And then yeah. where the hell is it? Like, and it's just like, you know what? Start delivering on some of the promises. And uh, and hell, I, I can't even trust that when a director calls action for the first time, that they're going to call cut for the last time because you don't let your feel like. <laughs> like right. So start. Tell oh, me. Wow. I'm wrong. So, you know what? Like, <laughs> you're right that that happened once. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> and it can happen again. I was I just say, didn't, didn't it happen like three times on the Wizard of Oz? Weren't there like four directors? Star Wars. No, no, I'm just thinking yeah. of like it's happened. Yeah. Well, but even um, in Star I, Wars, Josh Trank, he didn't say he didn't say, you know, start yeah, filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was supposed to. Yeah, he was supposed to do both. Let's just if like, I'm if I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, I want I think it's a great point, Jake. And I think you're right. Like, I don't think they've earned the trust. Yet. Yes. But the benefit of the doubt that I would give is the reason that we're getting a giant Vanity Fair article that has all this information and it's happening now instead of in a week at Star Wars Celebration. Obi-Wan is because this is. This is them doing that. Like, this is them going, oh, okay, we've put our ducks in a row. The, the, Kevin Feige's not doing his thing. This is getting delayed. We plan on this going here. Like, they're like, we've, we've had that retreat in but, the woods. Yeah, and, and, then, but, and this is what we, now we finally have. But our, Vanity Fair has a long history of doing these big, bombastic I'm not, I'm not Star Wars I'm not giving Vanity Fair the credit here. I'm just saying, I mean, they had to decide that they were going to do it this way. Sure. I'm saying, I think that maybe this yeah. is them trying it, to it say just like didn't, okay we're we're figuring it, it out you're it, right yeah. to like 
I agree with you, but if I if I'm giving the sure. benefit of the doubt, I sure. would say that this sort of big statement with all of this yeah. involved is there a way of like yeah, but I, I, trying I just, to signal that they're riding the ship as far as yeah, you know, I um, course. yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. I just sort of feel like on the on the other side of this article, this article that was supposed to make me feel better about the direction of Star Wars, I don't because because to me they've very quietly set themselves up with the series like they they followed up on the mandalorian success and they've really doubled down on that and they have these other series that they're coming out with that i think that look that we're all excited about and i think look good and the mandalorian was a great example and i think this might be this might be them saying okay we went through that phase and we know how much we want tv to be involved in this and so now we're finally now we're finally setting some goals for the film that makes sense but for the film world that makes but sense. also like can we I feel like we live in a world where Star Wars has to match these these impossible expectations. I mean, we don't live in a world where, you know, like, I mean, I mean, we had episode seven and it came out and it was this massive seismic moment in pop culture. But in the same way that there's a difference between Avengers Infinity War and the first Ant-Man movie, we have to acknowledge that there's going to be a difference in Star Wars movies. And I don't understand mm-hmm. how like Solo comes out, makes over $200 million domestically, and somehow we're scoffing at it like it made $18 at the box office. Like, why yeah, can't yeah, we yeah. have a world where like there are some big Star Wars movies that make a billion dollars and there are some Star Wars movies that are going to make 400 500 million dollars like I don't understand like and and like why why can't we just have this varied uh, uh, just expectation and why every Star Wars movie has to be the biggest film of all time and if it's not it's a massive failure and that's the lesson we should learn from it and never do that thing again because they built the brand up to be the second biggest brand on the planet right now like it's it's not it, it it maybe it eventually can get to the point where it is delivering the indie version of Star Wars. Yeah, but, right but now Kevin it's Kevin Feige didn't look at Ant Man and go, well, it only made 180 domestic, so no more Ant Man movies ever. Like he like everyone looked at that and went, that is exactly what a movie like that should have done. Yeah, he should have. But like he but everyone looked at Ant Man and went. OK, we can't judge that against an Iron Man or a Thor or Captain America like it did just sure, fine. Sure. And why can't a Star Wars movie do just fine? Like, why do why does a Star Wars movie make four hundred million dollars and we have to learn all these terrible lessons from it, which are not the lessons you should have learned from it for like, to, like about it? From, for, I don't know. I'm getting all frustrated. I think flustered. Marvel, I think Marvel and superhero films have like this inherent expectation that team up movies are the big ones mm-hmm. and the individual characters are the small. Like, sure. I think it's just a it's just a way that sure. naturally has happened or maybe Fike is a genius and yeah. orchestrated. But that's the way the, our minds work of like, oh, it's not an Avengers movie. And so we yeah. give it, I, I think to, to Sean's point, like they came out swinging big and they were like, our Star Wars movies are going to be, we're going to come out yeah. with one every year and they're going to be the biggest yeah. thing ever because yeah. it's, it's Star Wars. If they released and I, Hammerhead, I wouldn't expect them to make $500 million. Well, but I think, I think today's Star Wars. Greedo, the we movie. Would, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get Solo a Star Wars story. I'd watch the, movie. the Greedo, the movie. I think we'd get Solo a Star Wars story, the TV well, show. Well, that's what I feel like rather than get a, a sequel. Cause the, the, like I've always said, the story they set up at the end of Solo is the Solo story I wanted to see. And oh. I wish we would get a series about that. Dude, what if they did a Greedo movie and it was like two films, like Memento style? Well, no, like, <laughs> like, yeah, like, like what they do is they do half the film with Greedo shooting first. What happens yeah. after that? And then well, I guess he dies. So I guess the second half would end really quickly. Well, what <laughs> if it's like every yeah. person at the, the bar in Mos Eisley? Is yeah. it tells a version of that story, right. like and like and, like and then and like and then like Lucas the steps looking dude. And, and George Lucas steps in at the end and goes, "Yeah, Greedo shot first, and then that's the end of the movie." <laughs> <laughs> I would watch this. Be more interesting than most of the things that are coming. Uh, before I, uh, we get out of the 
the massive IP franchise talk, uh, we want Jake to review Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, having ca- caught up with it uh, a little bit after the rest of us got a chance to see it. And then we want to place it in our tier list. And I do want to point out that right after, because Kevin and I got to see the movie together in San Diego, and right after it ended, we had an instant conversation about where we would put it. And I want to say that we were in sync. Now, Kevin might have changed his mind since then, but we'll get to that point in a minute. Jake, you got to see the new Sam Raimi. I did. Uh, the latest Marvel. Your thoughts on the uh, the new Doctor Strange adventure? I didn't like it. No, <laughs> no. I, I gotta be All honest, right, man. I, I, um, <laughs> it, it's committed the one of the most unforgivable sins that a superhero movie can commit for me, which is being almost unbearably boring. Like mm. I, I that that middle act. Jesus, I was clawing my eyes out. Like I was just so unbearably bored. I thought this script was an absolute mess, a travesty, uh, 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 just a collection of us saying, oh, crap, we had to move this movie around because of Spider-Man and the repercussions of Spider-Man and had to mm-hmm. readjust some things. I, I really feel I'm, I just get this vibe that Cumberbatch is just over playing this character. I, I, I just feel like he's kind of done with it. Um, and, and look, I... I really think one of the worst things to happen to Marvel is them building this, these, these studios in Georgia that they keep going back to like the, mm. the, the sets just look like the same recycle. These, the street sets just look like the same recycled street sets over and over and over again. And there were some, some blue screen, green screen effects that looked awful days after it opened in theaters which in my mind, knowing how poorly those things date, having just watched Revenge of the Sith and saw how Oof. poorly those those look. I mean, to the point mm. where you can even see the blue reflected on Hayden Christensen's face. Um, <laughs> th- those those effects uh, are not going to look good in a year or five years or 10 years or God help us 20 years. Like it's yeah. just like the clock is ticking on us looking back on multiverse. And also, like, I think the thing that that really kind of bugged me. As I remember hearing about the concept of this film, hearing that Raimi was attached to it, hearing the title Multiverse of Madness and thinking, man, we are going to get some batshit crazy stuff in this movie. Horror movie. And the, 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 the furthest that they went is we crossed the street on red. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's that's the like we got one quick little montage of like madness. different universes. Madness. Yeah. madness. But like to me. <laughs> Everything Everywhere All at Once is a pitch perfect example of what a multiverse movie should and has the capacity to be. And Multiverse of Madness just felt so neutered and boring and and just it it just felt so generic cookie cutter Marvel that um, I, I genuinely no joke. I'm not exaggerating was ready for it to be over with about 45 minutes left. Okay, now, I mean, there are elements where like he dream walks into into a sure. corpse yeah and, like it and, and like, you know, so, like, like in those moments i sort of been like okay that's cool it gets pretty good but, but like but that almost felt like like a deal that rainbow was like okay i'll do this movie but i want to do stuff like this well and that's just what so i was that, saying when i reviewed it like it felt like two movies were battling each other there was like this cool raimi stuff like and like the, like the horror elements and like that whole madness sequence with the paint and everything that was so cool but I mean, for me, I, I stand by my review. I, I thought it was fine. I mean, it, yeah. it was it was and, and for somebody who's grown up loving Sam Raimi, um, it was just I, it felt like they kind of held Sam Raimi back a little bit like like there was like and it also felt small. 
Like if like everything everywhere all at once feels like a genuine gigantic multiverse film. Strange feels like a small film. It doesn't, and it it should be larger. It feels should feel larger, but it doesn't. Okay, so are today we are pain? adding Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness to mm-hmm. our MCU tier list. Who wants to offer their first? Well, you go. since you two agree on it, you two go, and then we'll so, see how much mine impacts you. So following the screening, um. Immediately following the screening, Kevin and I agree that it was a B. I'm going to say that I think it's actually a C. Yeah, it's B. Uh, it, was B it was B trending C for me in the screening, and I'm, I'm at C now. Uh, because it's, it is the type of movie that the more I sat with it, the more the things that are, that are troublesome about it irk me more than the, the moments that were really cool. So I, I, would, be, I would be B trending C. And I actually be, I'd actually be maybe I'd actually be C c trending trending b oh yeah i i am also c trending d okay all right I'm I, I think i put it i i'm between b and c only because i love the Raimi stuff mm-hmm. for me we've, we discuss this in our review and also go check out our review of this if you want to hear um some spoiler talk between myself kevin and sean um jake did not participate in that because he did not see it yet um, but you can hear our full thoughts there for me, the Raimi stuff wasn't out of place, um, and it was it was the thing that kept bringing me back in, um, and that's why I'm like I'm not I'm not C trending D. I think I think C trending D is no no is no. I'm sorry. Too... I'm 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 C trending B, but oh, okay, I, but B. I wouldn't be okay. at B. You know, with the ability to slip down, I think I'm at C, but I, I could I could yeah, trend yeah, yeah. up. Okay, it. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think C trending B is where I feel as well after having sat with it. I'm curious what I'll feel if I ever go back. And, I'm sure I'll go back and watch it a second time at mm-hmm. some point. Um, I, I would but, honestly call that from myself. I would call this bottom quarter Marvel. That would be C. Huh? That would be C. It's one way to rank it. I think it's a C. Um, so 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 according to this tier list, bottom quarter Marvel is the back half of A. <laughs> <laughs> come on this list right, is actually pretty gonna, fair wait you, you are you're saying shang chi is 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 what? no i think shang he's just making chi, a joke yeah, about yeah, i was joking he's making I a joke because we, yeah. we have a lot of a's um, all right so it's uh we it's, i think we're all pretty firmly landed in c right. the raimi stuff is great though i just want i want to reiterate that the but raimi honestly all the raimi stuff just made me want to watch a different raimi film that again that's that's what we talk about expectation or like the place you're at when you watch something because I was in a place where I just, it kept it capturing me and I kept enjoying it. I think you, by the time you were getting there into those moments were kind of over the movie. And so I, I understand where you're also from, I another issue I had was like Danny Elfman's score. And I'm a huge Danny Elfman fan. And I guess I'll plug him, uh, even though I'm about to say, I didn't love his music in this movie, but he was on our show. Um, mm-hmm. Elfman's, you know, one of the greatest composers of all time and you know brilliant and his music isn't bad it just doesn't fit the movie because like we're so used to Jakino's score being the central themes of strange and even even in no way home was a better dr strange movie than multiverse of madness um and i think that I, i think elfman Elfman's score felt cartoony and took me out in a weird way. I think Giacchino had already set the atmosphere of what of what Strange's world is. I mean, the 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 greatest evidence of this is in No Way Home when they show up to Doctor Strange um, in the beginning of the film and you hear that like guitar synth, whatever that uh, piece of instrument that Giacchino uses for that score. And you immediately know you're in Strange's world immediately. And like I like Elfman's music just didn't. I don't know. It was weird. It was like I was I was used to Giacchino, so I don't know 
if that's playing into way I, the way I feel about the, it. Like if, the best I mean? music moment in the entire movie isn't even an Elfman the, moment. The fight. A uh, couple of new movies that a bunch of us haven't seen, starting with Downton Abbey, A New Era. Um, I had a screening of that, but I haven't. I went to the Downton Abbey movie, the last one that they did, and it, it's fine. I've never watched the show. So I am a diehard Downton Abbey. Are TV you? Fan. Oh, really? Yes. What? You're a diehard Downton Abbey fan? This is a relatively new thing. I uh, you're an Abbey. Abbeys. What do they call you guys? I'm a. <laughs> you're an, I don't know. You're an Abbey. I'm, I'm an. I'm you walking an down Abbey the Abbey Road? Ab- Ab- I did a red. I did a red carpet once for a Downton Abbey, the first Downton Abbey movie, and I got all the actors to talk about like when they text about the show. Do they ever autocorrect to downtown? And oh, how, that's a great how, question. How long they got? Like because oh, I, I called Abbey. it Downtown Abbey for yeah. years. Um. I have not seen that. I didn't get to go to the screening for this. I am a diehard Downton Abbey fan. It happened like last year. I binged the whole thing and it's just a great um, escapism sort of thing. It's very fun. And it's it's and it follows like some historical real world historical elements. Um, it's fun. It's dramatic. It's kind of like a soap opera, but in a great way. I, I great watched way. it for a few seasons and then just kind of tapped out. Hmm. Yeah, it's fun for me. It's comfort food at this point. Yeah. I, I put it on in the background all the time because it's just. Yeah, well. Cheesy goodness. I'm excited for this film, though. So I, I I agree that the first one, if you liked the show, the first movie, um, it was different. It was it's different because it, they were like, let's let's tell a whole the story of a film. And I think this is going to be similar where it's it's not going to feel like a long episode. It's going to have its own kind of film structure that'll feel a little different if you're used to uh, the way the TV show unfolds. But uh, I'm excited to see it. I have a question. Jake has a question. And, and maybe t-shirt? maybe this would be a good blend game. So feel free to not answer me. Um, okay. What is the best TV show turned movie? Oh, I like TV that show one. Turned movie or or like a movie that continued a TV show? Does that even happen? Like, like I think like Jake's I would, point like, I would is like, just like it started as a show like, and then there was oh, a yeah. movie. I, I, well, honestly, I, I would movie. say like like The Fugitive or Mission Impossible. M- Mission Impossible. McGruber was awesome. And honestly, it, like, James Bond, right? Wasn't the first? Wasn't the uh, yes. wasn't oh, he in that episode show? first? He was like a character in another TV show before they ever but made But generally, like a big show turning into a film. Yeah. Oh, or is like that a blend game? And also, we could, that could be a blend game. I don't know if we already have one for next week, because Bob's, Bob's Burgers, Burgers, the movie, comes out next week. So that oh, could be a, see. We do have go. one for next week. Oh, and sorry. you will want to do what we're doing next week over whatever you're going to pitch <laughs> favorite, for right. favorite, I'll, favorite, I'll burger favorite burger movie. Favorite burger movie. Favorite burger in Good a burger. Movie. Oh, that's uh, actually awesome. There's a Blue. lot of good favorite burgers. burger in a movie. Favorite well, movie burger? Good. Oh no, it's Pulp Fiction. It's got to be the Pulp, Pulp Fiction burger. Fiction. It's a hundred yeah, percent Pulp Fiction burger. It's not even close. Wait, what was his? Helen Kumar. Yeah. Ooh. He had somebody no. on set on set yeah. who, who yeah, cooked made burgers. Oh, yeah. Them, I asked him that off mic. Yeah, I'm like, dude, that. what? I was like, Mr. Tarantino. Like, I always wanted to ask him what. What? I thought maybe it was like an In and Out. Wasn't that a part of the? Wasn't that a part of the show? Yeah, it was when we were we were all no, it wasn't part of the show. We were like all like congregating, and he had like we had finished, and I. We were about to leave, and I was like, "Hey, by the way, I've always wanted to ask you this." And I, that's when it happened. It's not on. We don't was have it that the on live audio. show or the New York show. It was the, the it was the live show, but after the live show. Interesting. Okay, well, go go listen to our live show. It's not on there though. It's not that. That's okay. But there's plenty. Well, no, of, it's plenty so of good great. stuff in yeah. there though. Yeah. Oh, I'll yeah, take yeah. any opportunity to plug that. One. Uh, Hulu or has a show called uh, the a uh, movie called, coming out called The Valet. I know nothing about The Valet. Anybody know anything about The Valet? Uh, mm-hmm. Samara Weaving and I forget the actor. Uh, excuse me, Samara Weaving and um, I forget the actor's name, another actor. I think it's like a romantic Is it? comedy kind of thing. Maybe okay. I'm way off, but um, I think we all love Samara Weaving. Yeah, I do. Yes, I don't yep. turn anything. Um, in going to theaters limited and then Amazon Prime next week is a terrific, terrific movie called Emergency. 
which was at Sundance and South by so far this year. And we have a conversation with the director, Carrie Williams, um, that is going to be a bonus episode for next week. We wanted to put it in between uh, the limited run that it's in theaters um, and then the Amazon Prime drop next week. And it's uh, so I'm not going to give you a ton of details about it. I'm just going to give you the setup for it. Um, it's set on a college uh, and the two main characters um, are uh, old friends um, who have uh, one is extremely studious. One is a bit of a, a burnout um, and they are planning to go on this legendary um, one night party that takes them to every fraternity and sorority on their campus. Essentially, uh, they have mapped out the entire strategy of, of how they're going to do it. And and what like how they pace themselves, um, you know, all the different places that they have to go to in order to pull it off. And you think you're getting into a, you know, a sort of a standard issue college, um, you know, party hopping type story. Um, and then they go back to their uh, dorm room or house. I think it's more like a house that they're living in. Um, at, well, they're both they're two black guys and they go back to their house and they find a white girl uh, passed out on their floor. And. One of them immediately wants to call campus security and the other one says, dude, we can't like, what are you talking about? Like whatever story we come up with, no one's going to believe us. And it's about how the two of them maneuver the rest of the evening um, wow. with this drunk, passed out white girl. And it's it's That's a funny, fascinating premise. I was like, dude. like just that premise gave me so yeah. much anxiety. Yeah, no, dude, I'm, yes. I'm so thinking about it. Yeah, it's funny. But it's got a a ton of really relevant social commentary. Uh, The two guys together are really, really funny. The um, the main guy is um, is it R.J. Kyler? R.J. Kyler and uh, who the other guy's kind of a newcomer. I forget. He is kind of a newcomer and they're both fantastic. Um, So we'll get into more details with the conversation and and what Carrie Williams wanted to accomplish with it. It started as a short film. And he IMDb lists, lists the leads as R.J. Kyler, Donald Elise Watkins, and Sebastian Chacon. Okay, so Donald Elise Watkins is that what he's, is, is his name? He's the main guy. He's the main. He's the studious sort of, and 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 it becomes a thing where like all of his friends know that he's the one with the really bright future, and they just don't want to mess it up for him, kind of thing. And it's they like it asks all these really complicated questions of just like if you were in this situation, what could you what honestly you do? do? Yeah, yeah, what would you do? Um, and it's it's really, really smart uh, and absolutely needs to be seen. So um, before, before you explain the plot, I was going to make a joke that I thought the movie was about the vitamin C emergency that you can get at CVS. And then yeah. then I then I heard what the plot was. <laughs> I'm really like, yeah, you didn't make that joke. <laughs> well, no, you um, it, back. it was funny at the time because like I'm, I always think of emergency as like the vitamin C that you can get when you're like feeling sick or whatever. And then when he got into the actual plot, I'm like, oh, it's a like a serious I will reiterate the uh, conversation that we recorded with uh, Carrie Williams at South by Sean and I recorded um, is going up next Wednesday. So excited to hear that for that it's a great chat it's a it's kind of a quick chat i think we got like 15 minutes with them we were yeah, in the middle of the um the festival so everything's kind of you know hectic sure um it is audio only it will be on youtube though there's just not a video component because we were we were in person and, and recording the show but it is it is awesome he's a fantastic uh really interesting filmmaker i haven't seen the film yet but according to sean he's a fantastic filmmaker um and the conversation itself is really it's also so important to note that like the movie is in theaters may 20th and then prime next friday the 27th yeah. so, so but it's limited yeah. this week so it's you know check your local market yeah. i'm not sure i'm not sure how wide that limited release is going to be it sometimes it can be two cities sometimes it can just be major mm-hmm. markets so check your local listings for that you know we always uh recommend supporting theaters where you can 
um, interview dropping next week, and then we'll be on Prime. Oh, so I'm Friday. I'm looking over Carrie uh, Williams's filmography here, and the uh, RJ, the one of the stars of Emergency, he was in his last film, which was actually called R. I think it's RJ. It's R number sign J. Um, oh, interesting. I'm just like kind of looking at his filmography, and that film came out in 2021, and also starred RJ. Hope I'm saying his so name last name right, Kyler or Siler. Kyler. Um, Pe- people Kyler know him from right. he was in the Power Rangers movie that was recently right. out. Yeah, he's really he's really a really good, good in actor that too. Yeah, 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 I like him. Yeah, I couldn't remember uh, his last name, but I like him. Our blend game this week is going to be Alex Garland blend, but before we get there, uh, Jake saw Men, and Men the new Alex Garland film Men is opening uh, this Friday. So Jake, you're the one who saw it. Take yeah. it away. Uh, so, yeah, not even just that, just got out of it about two hours ago. Um, and it's a lot to chew on. So it's a tough movie to review having just walked out of the theater. I kind of don't want a lot of details anyway, because sure. sure. it feels like it should be protected. Um, here's what I'm going to say is that uh, the f- I, I, re- I really, really, really liked this film. Um, the first half is um, fantastic and very much like the first half of Ex Machina, where you could just cut the tension with a thread. Hmm. The back half is very much like the back half of Annihilation, where you just sort of go, these are a lot of really big ideas. And I'm trying to figure out what it is you're trying to tell me with all Mm. of these really big, massive ideas and insane imagery. So it kind of threads the needle needle in terms of um, Alex Garland accessibility, in terms of what I think an average audience member might be able to expect. I, I think you could put Ex Machina in front of just about anybody and have them enjoy it. Annihilation, I'd be a little bit more selective who I put that in front of. And something like Men, it, it's going to be one of those like, well, it's, it's kind of right in the middle. W- without giving too much away, it, the, the basic premise is that a woman needs to get away, rents a house in the country after her husband may or may not have committed suicide mm. and just needs to get away. And... Uh, she threw whether it's the, the 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 owner of the house or a um, a man that she sees out in the woods or uh, a local bartender or the cop nearby. The men in the community just tend to act strange. Hmm. And uh, the the hook of the film is that all of the men in the film are played by one actor, Roy Kinnaman, oh, who does really? just a fantastic job. The movie has a lot to say about uh women's relationship with men about uh the the long history of men's oppression of women starting with don't bite that apple all the way to the church to oh he goes that far back to, huh? it goes, yeah um there in, in, in a in a way it kind of reminded me of of what Darinowski did with mother and how mm. he took this small house and and used it to tell the story of the bible um Alex Garland, in a lot of ways, uses this small town as a way to talk about women's relationship with men throughout time and throughout history. It's a very interesting social commentary. I think the best horror films of all time, horror has always been such a really great vessel for social commentary. You know, Mm -hmm. you look at something as recent as Get Out. You look at at rosemary's baby i mean like it's just you know even even the slasher movies of the 80s were were very much conversations about the dangers of sex you know mm-hmm. like you know the, the, the you know you have sex you're gonna die um and so uh, the fact that alex garden garland is is going hardcore into horror and, and let me tell you that the final act of this film is some of the most brutal david cronenberg like body horror i've ever Ooh. seen like well, just i have a question about that is is the yeah. body horror because i keep hearing that's what i keep hearing about this movie is like how crazy the body horror is 
What's worse, the body horror in this or tight or to tie to tain, whatever it's, I can't remember the name of it. How to Honestly, <sighs> I don't know. Uh, Titan, when we there were moments where I had to cover my eyes watching Same. this, th- I never had to cover my eyes watching this, but there were definitely moments where I was like, wow, that's an image that I didn't okay. think I was, I don't yeah, think I'll ever like, forget. Titan, I, 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 yeah looked away a lot yes, for a lot yeah. of that. And, I, I never I never had yeah. to do that for this. I, uh, I, like I kind of want to yeah, I kind of want to stop <laughs> it off. there for men other than to say v- very much enjoyed it. Um I wish the, the the back half is very much the the part that you chew on and you think about, but here's what I'll tell you. I usually whenever I walk around downtown Chicago, I usually put my my earbuds in, turn on some music and that's that's how I get from A to B just to kind of zone out and walk around. Um I didn't put uh, earbuds in i didn't turn on music i just thought about it i hmm. just wanted to be alone in my thoughts thinking about this film the entire walk home and that's i i don't know how much higher of a compliment you can give a movie than that so uh, i would say very much recommend very much worth your time um and uh yeah i hope you guys enjoy it you recommend wow oh dear wow <laughs> All right, so uh, it's Jakey, still real blend, folks. <laughs> Jake, you, you thought you'd get through like a man. <laughs> uh, Jake, keep the microphone in your hand and tell us if men is your pick for hashtag Alex Garland blend. Uh, I'm going to be honest. There was a moment like halfway through men where I thought, hell, maybe I am going to choose men today. Mm. Um, and, and in time with retrospect, again, like I said, it's a, it's a lot of movie to, to reflect on two hours after walking out of the theater. So as of right now, I can't not pick ex machina. Mm. I'm going to assume maybe one or both of you guys have as well, but I just got done talking to long spiel. So I don't want to take up too much time other than to say it's such a masterful example of the crossroads of both his writing and direction, um, as well as three absolutely masterful performances. It's it's thought provoking. It's it's weirdly scary. It's um, claustrophobic all at the same time. It's unsettling. Um, and it's just him firing on all cylinders. And I'm not quite sure he's matched that yet. There are moments of annihilation. I think I think are as good. There are moments in men, I would argue, are as good. But as a whole, I don't think anything's matched Ex Machina. Yeah, I had to pick it, too. And I looked at his writing credits and he has some tremendous writing credits. Sure. Um, but but like you said, they just they don't match Ex Machina, which I think works so well on on almost every like the screenwriting level uh, execution in terms of his filmmaking is phenomenal. Uh, Absolutely. One of those movies that you just don't know where it's going or what the plot is kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and and you're riveted to figure out where it's going. He also benefits from um, just three tremendous leads like uh, Alicia Vikander is outstanding in her part. People forget how I guess because they pop up in franchise stuff, but like Donald Gleason and mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac are phenomenal actors sure. and they get incredible material to play with in Ex Machina. Um, it's it's just incredibly intelligent science fiction. Um, I like science fiction. That's not it's it's a little bit futuristic, but still really rooted in, in what we're living in. Um, sure. And and that's because yep. it always feels like. It, it's really believable, you know, and, right. and for the 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 end of that film, and I won't give it away for what happens here is pretty terrifying, you know, and yeah. it makes you think you start to look around at, at this at society a little bit differently and and uh, have a cautious eye on other people. So, um, yeah, despite all, some yeah, I, I think Never Let Me Go is an underrated yes. film that more people probably need yes, to yes, pay yes. attention to. And I think Annihilation did a number of a number of incredibly um exciting things obviously 28 days later too 
but I had to go with Ex Machina. Kev, did you also pick it or did you go a different direction? No, and Ex Machina, I think it's a masterpiece. I, 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 I remember that time very fondly because I did a, I don't know what happened, but for that particular movie, I did three separate press events for it. And I remember, because I remember seeing it and going, like being blown away by it and like I just wanting to talk about it. Um, but remember, if you kind of rewind back to the year this film came out, it was 2014. Uh, we were all waiting for Force Awakens in 2015. Um, mm. It had been announced. We knew Donald Gleason was in it. Or we knew Oscar Isaac was in it. Um, mm. So mm. these any actor who was in that film was 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 a was a big deal to, to even talk to no matter what film they were working on. Like they were in the new Star Wars. I mean, if you. If you, going back to our conversation earlier in this episode, the difference in how I felt about Force Awakens coming out to how I feel now about the upcoming slate is a is worlds beyond. It, it is such a different mindset. Like Force Awakens was probably, in my opinion, in my lifetime next to Endgame, the most anticipated movie that I've ever had to experience as a build up to and see the movie um, because it had been so long since, you know, with the idea of these famous characters returning. Anyways, going back to Ex Machina, I remember like Alex Garland came in my studio and we had him on the air as like a one on one interview. And this was like I didn't know Alicia Vikander at this point. Um, mm. I know that she had done other work, but uh, if she had, I had not seen it. Um, but that was my awakening of of understanding how brilliant she is. Um, same with Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleason. I know I'd seen them in other projects, but these were like these three leads, as you mentioned, really became prominent in my mind because of Ex Machina. Um, mm-hmm. And the ending shot, uh, I, I thought was brilliant. I remember the, all the questions that that led to um, that shocking ending that you're referring to. Um, but just the, you know, I mean, you can't not mention the dance scene. I know that's a scene that everyone talks about, but that is like, I mean, it, 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 out of context, that scene works as a as a as a goof and a, and a and a gift that we can put out there and have fun with. But in context, the tonally for Alex to have achieved this, the tone of his movie and have that scene and still works um, is a testament to his storytelling. Um, but I just remember, like, I did three press things for this. And so uh, weirdly enough, I got Oscar Isaac twice for this movie. Um, one of them, they're both on satellite. One of them was him and Donald Gleason. It was like, like eight minutes with them. It's on YouTube if you want to find it. It's actually really funny because, like, again, this is before Force Awakens opened. So everyone wanted to ask them Star Wars questions. Right. So um, that was cool. And Jake, I don't know if you remember this, actually. Um, I texted you. So I was on a satellite with uh, Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleason, and I could hear the other one before me. And I don't usually listen to them, but that that one was in my ear. And they got all they right before they went into that last interview. I heard them behind the scenes doing Chewbacca sound effects, and I'm like, wait a second, that might be my in. Because if I can't really ask them anything about Star Wars, if they if they're doing Chewbacca sounds, and now they don't know that I heard them do that until I asked them. Um, so that was I texted Jake and said, "Hey, do, I don't remember." I texted you and said, "Hey, they're doing Chewbacca sounds off mic or, or off interview in between interviews. Should I should that be my Star Wars question?" And I ended up asking it, and they did they did the impression in the interview. Uh, I just remember that vividly. I don't know why. Um, and then I got Oscar again, like a week, two weeks later because they wanted to do another promotion push for the film. And I'll tell you right now, it has nothing to do with the opportunities that I love the film. I love the film prior to the press opportunities. But that was a weird time where you get to spend time with people 
for a film that you genuinely love, right? And so like to to have these opportunities to interview Alex and Donald and, and Oscar for a film that like blew my mind, um, that was just a special time. It was like, a, I just felt like so engaged with that film because I loved it so much and I got to like break it down with them in long form. Um, so I will always look back on that, like that 2014 as like a big deal because that film was so explosive. Um, and just to be able to be a part of like the press for it was like so, so cool, especially because it saying, wasn't like, you know what I mean? People didn't really know what the movie was. Like you were kind of like, it was cool. Like it was like, like you got to talk off the cuff with these guys. It was great. At, at the time, did you consider Oscar, to, Oscar Isaac to be a most wanted man? <laughs> Wait, I don't get the joke. Audience picks. When he uh, when when you asked Donald Gleason about <laughs> Chewbacca, did he say oh, uh, it's about oh, time? Yeah. No, uh, weirdly enough, Oscar said uh, I, all, his only answer to my Star Wars question was they fly now. And I'm like, how did they you fly now? Like, like four years before or that before, roadmap was laid down. Yeah, I was like, you thought. already knew that line. Interesting. <laughs> Jake, later this year, well, can they do a double feature of men and bros? That's hey. a hey. Honestly, like <laughs> anybody on, out there, come on, come on. No, it was good. Anybody out there who hasn't seen, um, who hasn't seen Ex Machina, please. Oh yeah, please I mean, watch it. Oh, um, it, it. it. Like I put Ex Machina in the same category as how much I love Arrival. Now I've watched Arrival a lot more. I know they're completely different films. I'm just talking sci-fi specifically. But they, those two films, for some reason, do you, do you ever had that moment in your mind where two films just kind of stick together, even though they're not had anything to uh -huh. do with each other? Like you just think about them like that. Like I think of Arrival and Ex Machina. Those two live in my mind in the same place for some reason. But uh, audience picks. Damien McDonald says, uh, as a writer, it has to be 28 Days Later. But as a director, it's Annihilation. And he said, am I allowed to? I'm allowing myself to. Sure, Damien, you can have two. I rewatched Annihilation recently. It is freaking awesome. Like that movie it's phenomenal. is phenomenal. I wanted to say this before we moved on. It is phenomenal. Amazing. Like, like. Does not get enough. Love. I still think Jake, you're muted and don't unmute yourself because I don't want to know. what you're I still there think are amazing I, moments. <laughs> oh, dude, no, it's, it's not an there, amazing no, film. There's no, a moment in that film. movie that I'm, the hair on my arms is standing up right now. It, it, when that creature comes in and it's the screams from the people. The it's killed. Yeah, that's the best part of the movie. Oh my! No, no, the, the no, the no, ending is the best part. I feel like I need to see the ending again. The, the lighthouse. The ending oh, okay. was amazing. Oh, oh my amazing. god, the ending was. I've so tried. I've tried. Good. You want to talk about a dance scene? You want to talk about Alex Garland dance scene? Yeah, I, 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 I tried watching that movie multiple times to convince myself that I like it more than I actually do, and Dude, it's frustrating because the stuff that I love, I love, but the stuff that I don't like. Like to, Jake, to Jake's work. defense, but it's, it's I didn't love Annihilation <laughs> the first time I saw it, but, but that was because I liked it, but I didn't love it. Like Ex Machina, I gave a five. Like Annihilation, I gave a four initially. But remember, coming off the heels of Ex Machina, you have expectations in your mind of who this filmmaker is. And Annihilation is a very different film um, and it moves different and it, and it plays different. Also, the score in Annihilation is amazing, by the way. Um, but anyways, uh, Annihilation was a film that hit me better on the second and third time. Uh, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen Haley, it, I think I saw it three times in theaters. Jesus. <clears throat> uh, Haley McCoy. Yeah. Pretty Haley McCoy awesome. said, uh, never let me go. <clears throat> great, great book. If you've never read the book, fantastic film. book. The book's Who directed. Never let me go. Which Gabe, can you look that up? Cause I, I know Garland wrote it. Um, was Harry that Carrie Mulligan? Yeah. Was, Carrie and Mulligan and Andrew, Andrew Garfield, Garfield and then the lovely Kira Knightley. Might Knightley. be the most yeah. depressing movie I've ever seen. Like that was. Yeah. It's a good movie if you don't know what it's about. It's a Oof. good movie to go into it not knowing 100%. anything. 
You know what movie I saw? I remember seeing Never Let Me Go and then that movie Conviction with um, Hillary Swank and Sam Rockwell. I saw those both at TIFF in the same time and they were both like horribly depressing. Never Let Me Go was directed by Mark Romanek. Mark Romanek. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Harry Lichtman, Carla, Lowen Art, Dino, Paulo, and others went with Ex Machina. Johnny said Dread because he wrote Dread for people who forgot that one. Not the Sylvester Stallone one. Carl Urban. uh, Carl Urban. And then uh, Tom Honnell said uh, Annihilation, another another vote for Annihilation, which um, would be Gabe's vote as well, too. All right. Annihilation's so, great. Oh, shit. All right. Next week. Strap in, boys. Uh, we're going to be playing hashtag Tom Cruise blend. No, oh. let us know. <laughs> let us that's know. Your way, picks. That's way better than. Burger blend. I didn't Roger. say burger blend. I said TV wow. show turned into movie That's blend. That's gonna be oh, really, okay. really hard. This this might be the hardest one we've had in a while. How, have we not played Tom Cruise blend? That yeah, seems pretty pretty surprising. Well, I, I, think, why, I think we've done Tom Cruise as favorite. I'm sorry. I think we've done Tom Cruise best. I don't think we've done Tom Cruise favorite. Well, if we did, it's been maybe. a long because time. Because I'm fairly certain I chose for best. I'm fairly certain I chose. Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, well, that was my choice my for favorite. best. Yeah, but, but that's, that, that was not my favorite. Yeah, different. All right, so oh. uh, use the Man. hashtag, or you can email us at realblend at cinemablend.com. and that's where we also received a review this week. Um, and the review comes from Andrea Pianella, who writes, "Dear Blenders, Real Blend has become my favorite weekly podcast for nearly one year." Soon after I got the chance to interview, Sh- oh, that's right, I, okay, I know Andrea who interviewed Sean uh, on his release of Snyder Cut book every week. I look forward to the weekend to indulge into nearly two hours of nerdy, geeky, passionate fun and informative talks. Undoubtedly, the main strength of this podcast is the diversity of opinion, a wide spectrum which enables the listeners to appreciate distinct points of views and perspectives. Movies are personal experiences and resonate differently to each and any of us. So it's empowering to hear you sharing your very own experiences. Uh, Each of you respectfully acknowledges the opinions of the other co-hosts and brings something to the podcast to enhance my cinematic experience. The weekly interviews are also a significant asset of the show. You create very relaxed settings and make delightful and charming interviews so that 30 minutes feel like five minutes. And it feels like that to us as well, too. Uh, mm. I loved many interviews from last year, including Denis Villeneuve, Zack Snyder, Quentin Tarantino, Ridley Scott and Hans Zimmer. And I'm finally catching up with some older ones. Patty Jenkins was incredible. Uh, moving to the individual co-hosts, I cannot thank enough Kevin for all of his tips and expertise on the aspect ratios. <laughs> and for sharing his contagious passion for the IMAX experience. I was lucky enough to enjoy a Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve movie in the so-called largest IMAX screen in the world in Melbourne, Australia. One of the very few IMAX theaters able to present movies in the 1570 format yeah if it's 1570 that, that, that that's the the like the perfect that that is the number used for 70 millimeter IMAX 143 yeah yeah the one used to the to film Tenet uh, I really enjoyed these movies thanks to Kevin's teaching and insight. I really dig into Jake's interviews and junkets, his smart questions and cozy environment that he's able to create. Sean and Kevin are good as well, to be honest. And I think of Andrew Garfield and Chloe Zhao as interviews that Jake has, has done, possibly. However, I'm extremely jealous of Jake's clarity, uh, even when talking five times the normal speed. <laughs> normal speed. As many people in the world, English is not my first language. So I'm learning a few new things on every interview I hear. And yes, I also liked Finch a lot. So there you go, Jake. Yes. You got a, you got a Finch fan. Uh, yes. Sean, Sean is simply a, 
<laughs> oh, you're the guy. Uh, Sean is simply a champ. I cannot thank him enough for his kindness and the amazing interview he offered to participate in. I ate up his book and I can't wait to get my hands on the new one. To be honest, I believe that Batman is the goat of superheroes. And I'm shocked to hear that the Batman is not in his top five most anticipated movies of 2022. Thanks, Kevin and Jake, for that. However, I can't deny that his passion for Spider-Man is contagious. And I thought of him a few times while watching No Way Home on December 15th, among lots of screaming Italian fans. Finally, special thanks to Gabe for being such an amazing producer and for competently managing and producing the Roblox podcast. It's always good when we can see your face on screen every now and then. Now and then keep up with the great work. And my best wishes for continued success. Ciao, belly. Hey, uh, Andrea, love that one. Or Andrew. That's one of my favorites. So he's from Italy, and uh, I've interacted with him on Twitter a number of times and is a, a very dedicated listener to Real Blend and, and uh, direct messaged me often with comments about the show. So that's thank fantastic. you so much. Thank for you for that. Time that's amazing. Thank you for that review. review. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, our next premium episode, to remind everybody, is going to be the refreshed review of Steven Spielberg's 1991 film, Hook. Uh, with me watching it for the very first time and the boys catching up on it. Uh, again, check the description below for more information on how to sign up. We're going to be back uh, next week with, as mentioned, a bonus episode on Wednesday. Carrie Williams, the director of Emergency. Uh, and then we'll have a full show on Friday. And who's going to be on Friday's show? Is it Joe Kaczynski? It's Joe Kaczynski. Joe Kaczynski. Fan of, fan yes. of real ones. Yes. Oh, dude, that's fan the crazy. Real. You got to tell that story next week. Oh, my God. Next we have week. that. We have that video. We need to get that video to Gabe. I haven't even seen it. You do. Well, we have the, we it. have the second video. We'll discuss next week. In the meantime, follow us at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach. And the show is at Real Blend. We're going to go record a premium and we'll be back next week. Oh, I thought of something fun that I wanted to shout. Now I forget what it is. I guess Elvis. 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 Yeah, Hockey pads. Hockey pads. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.